Hi, Greg Perry, the Historic Preservationist. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 136. Um, you know, in uh, working on a project utilizing uh, bricks and mortar, the, uh, and uh, just want to talk about the, uh, the various types of mortar. But first, we're going to talk about hydraulic lime. And it's some of the, uh, I mean, it's not new by any stretch. It's been, you know, made for a long time. And it's uh, probably the choice of uh, restorers out there today. And it comes in a couple different strengths. So let's let's talk about hydraulic lime. And then we're going to circumvent and come back to some possibilities of a, you know, a potential building being restored. So hydraulic lime uh, often... Uh, wrote for shorthand of HL, is a general term for varieties of lime, which is actually calcium oxide, which sets through hydration, adding of water. This contrasts with varieties of air lime, which is actually slaked lime, calcium hydroxide. So um, you have that hydroxyl ion, which adds to the uh, oxide. And uh, this is used to make lime mortar. The other common types of lime mortar, which set through carbonation or reabsorbing carbon dioxide from the air. But let's back to hydraulic lime provides a faster initial set and higher compressive strength than air lime and eminently hydraulic lime will set in more extreme conditions, including underwater. The terms hydraulic lime and hydraulic lime are quite similar but may be confusing, but are not necessarily the same material. Hydrated lime is any lime which has been slaked, whether it sets through hydration, carbonation, or both. Calcium reacts in the kiln with the clay minerals to produce silicates that enable some of the lime to set through hydration. Any unreacted calcium is slaked to calcium hydroxide, which sets through carbonation. These are sometimes called semi-hydraulic lime and include the classifications feebly and moderately hydraulic lime, NHL2, NHL3.5, and NHL5. Um, but to, um, if you're going to lime a historic structure, um, starting at a foundation, particularly if you have granite at the base, or the quote foundation of the say the base of the uh, base of the basement, the foundation of the basement, then it goes up into a brick wall. Um, I would suggest using the NHL 5.0. It's going to give you high compressive strength. Um, forget the quick set; it doesn't matter at this point. But you know the compression down here. There's more weight at the bottom on that granite. Um, and I think you must remember that the uh, granite is usually dry built or dry stacked. So, you know, I'm sure all of us have seen uh, fences set up with various types of stone and granite pieces and very intricately fit in. And, and it really can be um, broken quite easily with a chisel and hammer. Uh, you find the right grain and you can actually slice off pieces, almost like a slate, but not quite as easy because it's a lot harder than slate. But then you can end up uh, chipping off or, quote, peeling back small pieces that 
uh, add just enough to maintain and get a, a very level surface if you're looking for it to build your brick wall off of. So the brick wall is basically a dry structural build. And then within this, you use your um, the uh, NHL, the uh, natural hydraulic lime. It's kind of like a putty. And you can see this even over in, in some of these instances when you have a, a foundation build of, you know, so a granite type foundation. I mean, they stuck sometimes two, three inches into certain voids. And when you get in there uh, after two or 300 years and you're taking a wall apart for restoration or conservation, um, the, uh, the lime, that thick lime, um, and if it's in, you know, a relatively normal area, um, those limes can be in there and they can be moist. It's almost like a putty. So it's not like an adhesive, as we think of a, a Portland cement mortar, which is going to, uh, you know, kind of bite in a lock and key fashion into the pores of the granite or the pores of the brick and hold it stable. Whereas the the NHL is more apt to be a filler in between, but it has a, a um, kind of a sticking, a friction property about it, but it's not something that dries totally super hard and, and is like a glue, which the traditional Portland mortar is. Um, you can use and you can mix, and I've done this many times over and over, um, a lot of different recipes. It's like being a baker, um, you know, using sometimes you, you have a need and it uh, doesn't always agree with preservationists, but sometimes there's a need for more strength in the lime mortar, even a 5.0 lime mortar. And you need to add a little bit of Portland type mortar. Um, you know, it could be a two to one either way. And uh, then you're adding sand. So this is typical. Um, and it's going to give that lime mortar just a little bit of strength. And I mean, you know, the object objective here is to, so your mortar between the bricks or between the, uh, the granite pieces, kind of the objective is, is not to have the mortar that is going to be harder than the, the granite or the brick itself. So it's, it's a little bit flexible, um, expansive, and actually lets uh, moisture come through. So it uh, is, a, is a permeable membrane of sorts, and, and that's what keeps it going. But there's, there's a point um, where after a few hundred years, 300 years, that the lime mortar dries out and, and actually goes to a, uh, to a dust. And remember, we don't know, um, say 300 years ago, we don't know if the lime was properly slaked. Uh, we don't know the extent. I mean, they just did this in the backyard of the dwelling and, and used it. I mean, this was all on site and either using chunks of limestone, which would not be used, um, you know, we're talking about the South Jersey region now, wouldn't limestone, but shells. And, you know, through the entire South Jersey region, it would have come out of the Port Norris shell pile for West Jersey, which would be Salem County and Cumberland County, and that's where they would get all their oyster and clam shells uh, for slaking. And on a lot of these historic properties, I find they're loaded with shells, shells all over, shells under the basement floor, shells near the foundation. Um, so they just imagine, I mean, a, a trek could be two, three days just to get a, a small wagon of shells. And, and some of these houses would have taken 10, 20, 30 wagons of shells to come up to be slaked. And again, not all of the lime would have been properly done. 
So you don't want to think that you're you're building a house and and you know around the the base of the foundation that the li- the lime's not working. But I, I don't think they were as concerned as you know as we are today. Um, but I, you know, I guess in, in a preservation point of view, I guess if I had my druthers coming out of the the basic foundation, I would like to use a uh, NHL five, and then move moving up out of the quote foundation, which would be more or less underground. You have said that, that uh, like a water line, a water mark, some call it, on a house, and that's where a lot of the water splashes back up. Um, I would don't need the uh, quite the compressive strength there, uh, but I still need durability, so I may shift to a three point five lime again, and these would be mixed with a little bit of Portland uh, Portland water and sand, of course, and the sand is critical. I mean that sand grain, that sharp grain of sand that we're using needs to be mixed well dry. That's the key when you're mixing these uh, preservation mortars of uh, Portland uh, Portland cement, or as we call it, Portland mortar, uh, with the limestone. you got to mix them dry, you've got to weigh out, and, and make sure your recipe is written down and you do it consistently. So in, in addition, you need the same amount of water. It's almost a dry mix, a crumbly, cookie-type dough mix, and that's what you're looking to put in. It's just a nice enough moisture to bite into any stone or brick. So coming up uh, where you get a lot of water splash, a 3.5 is sufficient. And, and getting above that, you could use some standard standard slake lime. You don't have to go to NHL. Um, only because of a lot of these, a lot of these uh, dwellings originally were made of that. So you could do your balance up to the second floor with a standard lime. It's going to be a slower cure. Um, and you don't quite need the uh, the compressive strength, but uh, you could use the 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 five or the three point five all the way up. So, and uh, and you know a word back on mixing when you're dry mixing, it's you need to get the lime and the uh, the cement mortar mix, which is mixed together. It needs to mix over all the grains of the sand. So just imagine the sand as a strength filler, and each grain has to be coated in the the mixture of the mortar together and then you have to add the same amount of water every time so uh, so that's a little bit of um, historic preservation mortar 101 um, in every case there's there's different recipes used so you can't just blurt out and say i i use this and i use that um, because it just varies um, working on a couple of projects um, that the entire foundation and basement are uh, very vulnerable, um, a lot of brick loss. And remember the brick loss when you're looking over historic structures, um, looking around typical clay bricks, 250, 300 years old. Um, you may be looking at a wall and you see some bricks that are totally concaved in and you put your finger there and it's strictly dust. And that means uh, one of a couple things or, or the grout lines are missing in five or 10 bricks. And again, we, as we've spoken before on this uh this podcast that water is the ultimate enemy and if the water is just running down just right most of the time when it rains down the side and it starts running down the side of a wall sometimes you'll see that whole side of the wall all the the pointing water is, is gone and all the bricks appear to be well worn away than the other bricks so uh, this can be a common thing and you can you have to dress the gutters and downspouts and things like that to try and get the water away but primarily gutters in that instance and if it's not a gutter issue that fixes this, 
you may want to in that specific area is to uh, up the strength of your uh, of your pointing material your pointing motor as we just talked so for some reason um, you know you could have certain storms hitting the side of a dwelling in a certain way for the most of its most of the year and uh, you know just say 80% of the time storms hit a certain dwelling and the water runs down so in that instance you may want to repoint when you're doing the restoration but also remember that as we said, all lime uh, is probably not slaked equal. All bricks were not made equal. I mean, they set a kiln up, kiln up in the backyard or the, of the dwelling in question in the, through the 18th century, early 19th century to mid-19th century, and they would actually slake lime in a pit in the ground, and um, they would actually set up like a, a beehive-type kiln up, kiln up and actually do the bricks there. So this was a major operation. Um, but in that kiln, if they were not achieving, you know, 24-hour uh, temperatures or 36-hour, as, as in a lot of cases should be, and depending on the size of the kiln, a lot of those bricks never cured. So sometimes I see walls where I'll see sporadic bricks in the walls that are concave and just flaking down to clay powder. And that's because the bricks were never baked properly in the beginning. Um, there's not a lot of hope for those. I, I want to go in and remove those those type of deteriorating bricks out of the wall and come back finding an old antique brick if possible. Or sometimes we actually have to make our own bricks. Uh, it's not a good policy, nor do I like going into, uh, you know, putting a new brick in for the color and the texture and, and the, the, the hardness. So we want to avoid that. But sometimes in, in some of these early uh, uh, 18th century uh, dwellings, you have uh, base walls, basement walls that are actually three courses thick. And again, it's giving you a lot of, uh, a lot of strength and a lot of viability. Um, so uh, if in fact you had a lot of damage from subsidence or maybe you had an earthquake or you had other issues, people illegitimately cut windows in or doors and they weren't thinking and there's been subsequent cracks going up to the first or even second floors, um, by taking the first course of bricks off and uh, coming in with, um, sometimes just say to fill in an opening, you're going to go into the inside course of bricks, which is the inside of the basement in the middle. And if a foundation is so shaky as uh, uh, one or two that I'm looking at right now, um, just imagine you're filling in maybe five or six windows around uh, the perimeter of a, of a dwelling. If you fill these in with new bricks, the inner two, and uh, this is the third time I've done that, inner two, and use new bricks, really baked hard bricks, and use a, a Portland cement type mortar with a little bit of lime, giving a little bit of flexibility, but I'm more on the harder side this. So it's almost like creating columns in those windows and door openings that you're closing up that were never there. And then on the outside, as you put the third layer back building, you're going to go back to the predominantly lime mortar, uh, NHL, uh, with a mix of a little bit of uh, Portland mortar, just to give a little bit of strength and sand. So, um, you know, so I'm looking at having like columns put around, built around the house really to help save the, some of these structures. And then on the outside, um, and we must remember, there's always times when um, you have an initial house, say out of brick, it was built. And then somebody comes on 100, 150 years later in a totally different style and adds another style of house. So we could have had, say, a Chippendale or, or not a Chippendale. 
you're going to have a Georgian, early Georgian style, or uh, even a Dutch style, and then you're adding a more of a federal style in America to that. You know, Georgian in, in England are federal here, but I like to call it Georgian. Um, I mean, it's, 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 it, it is its origins, and the Americans just copy that. Um, but nevertheless, when you have these triple courses of brick sometime on the original house, um, the quote designer or the builder, the builder was like the designer of the day. He did everything. He was like the RP plate architect and designer and builder. And, and, and these carpenters were world-class top-notch back in the 18th century and, and through the 19th century. Well, we've lost that. We tend to totally have lost that for cheap building materials as we know today. And, um, basically building materials that just flat out don't last. But back to the main core here, you had a house that, just say a certain type of bond, you know, it could have had a common bond. And, and the new addition they're putting on is a Dutch bond. And they want this to look as it was of one house. So they would actually peel back the outer layer of, uh, or outer course of bricks around, or maybe just on one or two sides of the old house. And they'd put a new updated bond, such as a Dutch bond, um, on the newer house, say if it's federal, and then they would actually continue that bond seamlessly over the old house. So, uh, you know, so a lot of, a lot of tricks and visual tricks and, you know, God forbid if you showed that you had two different bonds on a house and it was two different builds. So tell them sometimes, you know, conversing with the client, you explain these things of how these things have been changed over time, these investigative, uh, research and and sometimes the client wants to go back and to show the two different or the dichotomy of the two different bonds the two different builds so uh so that's what it's all about and 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 you know sometimes uh, it's not just a different bond but it's a different um, it's a different mortar pointing joint um you know so it could may not be a cove it may be a grapevine they've done and you know they've upgraded or at least they thought they were upgrading it so and you know, don't forget, in, in a lot of these uh, situations after uh, the lime water started to fail after a number of years, on a lot of these 18th century dwellings, uh, you know, people would, uh, because of the high cost of labor and, and, and repointing, people would just take cement, you know, Portland cement, in uh, like more, more or less the early 1900s, and they stucco the whole thing. They stucco right over it, and it really is dying out for uh, new pointing. And uh, it's all dried out and dusting out of the uh, all the uh, the crevices, and they come over and they just do an, a new pointing job on the house with Portland cement, and not a new pointing job, but uh, a new stucco job over the point. I don't call it stucco; it's so damn bad in some of the cases that I've seen. But and then you have somebody else may come along twenty five, thirty, fifty years later, that doesn't like it. Say, look, I want to go back to the original brick, but the problem is. The Portland cement bites into the brick so much, just removing it, it leaves divots into the bricks. So it's, it's just not a good thing. But they're cheap people, you know. People own a, a big house, a historic-type house. They're cheap people. They want to cut corners, and, and instead they cause degradation to the house. And, uh, at that point, there's not a lot of turning back. I mean, I can, I can create, uh, using lime mortar and color, I can create a color that can go in and... Uh, kind of be swiped with a putty knife, a plastic putty knife across all the brick surfaces, just say on a, on a dwelling, and level them off. You know, so I would have to match a color to the original bricks and using like a lime putty and, and kind of strike them off. And just imagine if you have 10,000 bricks around a dwelling to do. 
It, uh, it'll make you crazy, and it's, it's kind of like a lifetime of working. Um, it's all about somebody in the, in the process with being very fr frugal, very parsimonious, and uh, just not a good thing. So anyway, um, Greg Perry, uh, I'm going to sign off. Uh, just a little bit of uh, hints about uh, types, different types of mortar and a little bit to how the uh, bricks are to use and things of that nature. So uh, Greg Perry signing off. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening.